In this video, we're going to be debunking the pastor, uh, Vladimir, who has over a million followers on YouTube. And he seems like a very nice guy, but he's a little bit confused on Catholicism, and he is off base on his scripture. He gives the typical Protestant talking points, which are incorrect. So in this video, we're going to be seeing what he says about the Catholic Church, specifically the papacy and Peter, and then showing why it's incorrect right after this. Hello everyone, welcome to Catholic Truth. My name is Brian Mercier, President of Catholic Truth, and we want to help you to know, love, live, and defend your Catholic faith. Anyone from anywhere can come here to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can see that below, and please support our ministry on PayPal and Patreon, or Patreon, and uh, because without you, we don't have ministry. So thank you in advance and thank you to all our patrons. All right, let's get into this video and see what Mr. Vladimir has to say about Peter and the Catholic Church. I will play his clips and then we will answer them. Church is built on the revelation of who Jesus is and is led by the ministry which draws its authority from the scriptures. Whereas Catholics believe that the Pope is the successor of the Apostle Peter and the first head of the church who was appointed by Jesus Christ. Pretty much that Catholics believe the idea about Pope is that he is direct successor of the first Pope, which was Apostle Peter. Here at the very beginning, he kind of makes a straw man argument. On one hand, you have Christians who believe on the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, that Peter confessed, and that's what the church is built on, and they draw their authority from the scriptures. But the Catholic Church teaches that we draw our authority also from the scriptures and we believe in the revelation of Jesus Christ and that the church was founded on that. But it wasn't founded on that alone because clearly Jesus founded on Peter also, which we'll talk about. And we don't draw our uh, authority from the scriptures alone. Yes, we draw our authority and our teachings from scripture, just not scripture alone. Why? Because scripture alone is not scriptural. It's unbiblical. So let's move on. And the foundation for this idea comes from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19. But Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, in Greek, Peter's name is Petros, which means stone. But when Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, he used a different Greek word, Petra, which was a collection of rocks knitted together to form larger slab. So Jesus' church will be comprised of his unified followers who confess him as Christ, the Son of the living God, as Peter did. So Catholics use this verse to say that Jesus said, on this rock, meaning on Peter, he will build his church. First of all, it contradicts the Greek, but also it contradicts the writings and the church history. In this part of the video, he said that it was not built on Peter because Jesus changed his name. His name meant little rock in Greek, Petros, whereas Petra means a great big rock. So 
Petros refers to Peter, who was just a little rock. But the revelation, or Jesus, was the great big rock on which the church was built. So he's trying to say that the church was not built on Peter. And this is just a, a really typical Protestant argument that doesn't hold up for a variety of reasons. First and foremost, Jesus didn't speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. And the word for Aramaic rock is kepha. And he would have said, you... Now notice, in English... It says, you are rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. So let's just start there. Jesus says to Peter, you are rock. His name wasn't Peter. It was Simon. He said, Simon, now you are going to be called Peter. He literally changed his name to rock on which he was building the church. Why would he do that? There are literally probably over a million names, and he chose to name Peter Rock. Right at the moment, he said he was going to build his church on the rock. Doesn't anybody else think that's a little bit suspicious? And doesn't anybody else find it a little bit too conspicuous that Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi, which was way up in Gentile land, and there was a 200 by 500 foot rock there. And right in front of that rock, he said, Peter, you are the rock, and I'm changing your name, Simon, to Rock. I mean, Protestants overlook all of this. They don't, they just, just meant, oh, he's just a little rock. That's all. But they overlook literally everything else. They overlook the fact that name changes in scripture are significant and they equal a change in status. Like Abram became Abraham when he became the father of all nations. He, be, he received a name change. So name changes are exceedingly important. And Peter had his name changed to rock. So Jesus says, you are rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Even Protestant scholars acknowledge that it's the same thing. And in Aramaic, he says, you are kepha, and upon this kepha, I will build my church. There is no distinction between big, little, right, left, anything else. It's just rock. You are rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. That's what Jesus said to Peter in Aramaic. So why is he called a little rock in Greek? He wasn't. Jesus called Peter the rock in Greek too. But in Greek, it takes male endings if you're a male, and it takes female endings if you're a female. Petra is a female ending. So Peter can't be a Petra. He was Petros because he's a male, so it has to take the male ending. But it's the same word. It literally means rock, just with a female and a male ending. So he's still calling Peter the rock. And we know this for 100% fact, because in John 1.42, among other verses, Jesus calls Peter Cephas, which is the transliterated word from the Aramaic, kepha. It comes down to us as Cephas or kephas. And what does kephas mean? It means rock. Jesus literally called Peter the rock in John 1.42. Go ahead and look it up. He calls him kephas, which means rock. It's where we get the transliterated word from the Aramaic. So he calls him rock. But in Greek, it has to take a male ending, so he's going to be Petros. Some people say, no, Jesus is the rock because, well, he's the big rock. But no, Jesus can't be Petra either because he's a male, and if he was called rock, he would also be Petros. That's just how Greek works. But it's the same word. Throughout Christian history, popes and Catholics have said that the 
church was built upon Peter and his revelation. So when Protestants say it's built on the revelation, the confession that Peter made, we agree, and we've thought that for 2,000 years. But because of that confession, because Peter alone was singled out by God to receive this revelation, he also built the church on him and gave him a primacy of authority by giving him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Notice, he didn't give James the kingdom of keys of the kingdom of heaven. He didn't give Paul the keys of the kingdom of heaven or John. He gave Peter alone the keys of the kingdom of heaven directly. And that shows a primacy of authority, which we've talked about in other videos. Now, listen to what Pope Gregory says. In the 6th century, the 500s, Pope Gregory the Great, he acknowledges that Jesus is the rock, the huge rock, the unmovable rock, and yet Peter was still the rock that Jesus built his church upon, just as Jesus is the ultimate huge foundation, but he also built his church on the foundation of the apostles, which it says in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Revelation. He says, you are Peter, though I am an inviolable rock, the cornerstone that makes both one the foundation apart from which no one can lay any other. Yet, you are also a rock, for you are given solid, uh, solidity by my strength. So that which is my very own becomes, uh, because of my power, is common between us through your participation. So he clearly says that Jesus is the ultimate rock, the ultimate cornerstone, which nobody else can build or compete with. But he also makes uh, Peter... Uh, the rock of the church as well, and participates in that ultimate rock, just as all the apostles do. But again, he goes on to say that all the apostles received authority from Christ, but only Peter uniquely received the keys of the kingdom, giving him a primacy. So as we can see, contrary to what Vladimir says, this does not contradict the Greek, and it does not contradict the scriptures. And in fact, what he says contradicts the scriptures. But really what gets me is that poor Vladimir says it contradicts history. He doesn't know history then, because the earliest Christians talked about Peter as the rock, Peter as having the primacy. Well, read the earliest Christians. You will see that Peter has the primacy. If you don't believe me, listen to this one. Jerome in 391 AD says, I follow no leader but Christ and join in communion with none but your blessedness, Pope Damasus I, that is with the chair of Peter. I know that this is the rock on which the church has been built. Whoever eats the lamb outside this house is profane. Anyone who is not in the ark of Noah will perish when the floods prevail. So he acknowledges Peter as the rock and says that anyone who's not part of this church isn't even a Christian. Likewise, listen to what uh, Cyprian of Carthage has to say as well. He says, the Lord says to Peter, I say to you, he says that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, etc., etc. On him, Peter, he builds the church. And to him, he gives the command to feed the sheep. And although he assigns a like power to all the apostles, yet he founded a single chair. And he established by his own authority a source of an intrinsic reason for that unity. Indeed, the others were also what Peter was, apostles. But a primacy is given to Peter where it is made clear that there is but one church and one chair. So too, all the apostles are shepherds, and the flock is shown to be one, fed 
by all the apostles in single-minded accord. If someone does not hold fast to the unity of Peter, can he even imagine that he still holds the faith? If someone should desert the chair of Peter upon whom the church was built, can he even be confident that he is a Christian? So, I pray, uh, Mr. Vladimir, please show me how this contradicts history, because this is exactly what we've been saying, and this holds up to exactly what history teaches. Well, your teaching is not history. You, this is a Protestant thing started after the Protestant Reformation. Even Martin Luther said that Peter was the rock. So this, what you're teaching, Vladimir, came later. What you're teaching contradicts the scriptures, contradicts history, and contradicts the tradition that has come down to us from the earliest Christians. Because we see that actually James was the pastor in Jerusalem church and Peter was more of like an apostolic leader coming and establishing churches. And we don't see anywhere in the New Testament where Peter was seen as the one that the church was built upon. Yes, he was outspoken. Yes, he preached the, that message that thousands of people got saved. Yes, he was a believer in Jesus Christ, but so was other apostles and so was Apostle Paul. And so we don't see that Peter appointed another guy to be his successor after he died and it was embraced by the early church. We don't see anywhere in the New Testament where Peter acts like the leader upon whom the church was built on. And James is the the pastor or the leader at the Church of Jerusalem, these are really, really poor arguments. I mean, I know they're typical Protestant arguments, they're typical speaking points that they, I don't know if they've thought them out that well. Okay, let's say that James was the leader in Jerusalem. So what? Peter was the leader of the entire church worldwide. Yeah, he must, he might have been the leader in that parish. I have a priest who's a leader here in my parish. I have another priest who's a leader in another parish down the road. I have another priest who I know who's in the next town over. He leads that church. Every church is set up with particular pastors, but the leader of the universal church was Peter. Did James receive the kingdom, keys of the kingdom of heaven? No, he didn't. This gives Peter the primacy. Did James do the first public miracle? No, he did not. Peter did. Did James receive the revelation about who Christ was? No, Peter did. Did James receive the revelation about the Gentiles? No, Peter did. Did James give the first speeches in the church and convert 3,000 people and baptize them that day? No, Peter did. Did James use the Holy Spirit to strike people dead when they lied to God? No, Peter did. Peter is mentioned 195 times in the New Testament, and James is mentioned 29 times, and Peter is uh, St. John is mentioned 19 times, and the others go steadily down after that. 129 times to 29 times and 16 times. You tell me who's the leader in the New Testament. Who was the one that Jesus prayed for in Luke chapter 22 when he said, Satan demands to sift you all like wheat, but I have prayed for you, Peter, singular in Greek, that your faith will not fail, and then after that you strengthen your brother. So he prayed only for Peter to lead the rest of them. Who did he make the good shepherd in John chapter 21? James? No. Peter. He said, you feed my sheep. You tend my lambs. You tend my sheep. All throughout the Bible. Was it Peter, James's house he stayed at? No, it was Peter's. Was it James's boat he used? No, it was Peter's. I mean, Peter, 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 from the beginning of the New Testament until the end. And even in Jerusalem, where James is supposed to be in charge, it is Peter who settles the matter of doctrine regarding circumcision in Acts chapter 15. 
all the elders are arguing about whether circumcision is, are, is necessary or not. And it is Peter, the scriptures say, Peter, who comes down and speaks and gives the final verdict. And even though Paul and Barnabas were arguing fiercely about this, people were literally yelling at each other. But when Peter spoke in verse 11, verse 12 said, the crowds fell silent. Did James calm the crowds? Did James give the final verdict? Did James give the authoritative decision? No, Peter did. Why? Because Peter is in charge of the church. And you would literally, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but just as an analogy, you literally have to be blind to not see Peter throughout the entire revelation. The first one, he's always listed first in the, in the list of the apostles. He's called the chief apostle. He has the revelations given him by God for the church. He's the one who leads the church and does the first public miracles, gives the first speech, is the spokesman, and so on. You don't even hear about James, and there's a reason for that, because Peter is in charge. It's honestly not even an argument. And this can be confirmed by all the earliest Christians. He said that we don't see in Scripture where Peter appointed another guy as his successor. But we don't need to, because not everything is in Scripture. I mean, seriously, not everything is in Scripture. There are so many things we don't see in Scripture that are part of the Christian church that happened anyways. And why? Because the church, the Bible doesn't say everything. And even the Bible says that it doesn't say everything. Yes, it named some things, but we know from history, unanimously, all the earliest Christians say that Peter anointed and blessed and laid hands on his own successors and made, and especially Clement, who he wanted to be his successor. Clement of Rome, who's named in the Bible, who's listed in the Bible. Clement, who from the first century, he was one of Peter's successors. So we know from all the earliest Christians that Peter ordained his own successors. And we know that all the apostles were laying hands on people and ordaining people and passing on the authority. Read through the book of Acts. Read through the New Testament. You won't see any, anything like a Bible-only church. You won't see Christians sitting around just reading their Bibles, trying to figure out for themselves what it means. What you see is a teaching and preaching authoritative church with men laying hands on each other, passing on authority, celebrating the sacraments, making definitive doctrinal decisions apart from the Bible, like in the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, all like we do in the Catholic Church today. We're going to be doing a full debunking of Mr. Flatterbeer and his reasons why he's not Catholic, but this is just a little clip of, because a lot of people have been asking us to debunk him, because he speaks out on Catholicism, but it's usually things that are incorrect. He's sincere, he means well, but he's just giving Protestant talking points, things that have been debunked millions of times, and we do it again because many people just don't know, and many people have asked us to debunk him, so we hope that you have found this helpful, we hope that it has given you answers, and this is just scratching the surface. We have the Debates on these topics. We have other videos going much deeper on these topics. We have a whole video on answering Protestant objections on Peter being the rock. We have a whole video on Peter being the rock, on Jesus starting the Catholic Church, and many others. So check those out on our channel. And make sure, if you haven't been here before, to subscribe to our channel so you can get these videos when they come out. And please make sure to like our video. Please, if you have any comments or questions or concerns, please put those in the comment section below. And make sure to check out our description section. Follow us on social media. Please support us, us on Patreon or PayPal uh, if you want to support us one time, yearly, monthly, you are the reason why this work gets done, and we need you. So thank you to all our patrons out there. Thank you to all our future patrons out there. And please know that we pray for you every day. 
Hi everyone, my name is Kate. I'm the video editor here at Catholic Truth, and I just wanted to say on behalf of all of us, thank you so much for taking some time to watch our videos and learn more about your faith. You guys really make this channel possible, and we truly appreciate you being here. So thanks again, and God bless.